Previously on Transformers University, we took a look at the years of 1984 and 1985 in the history of the Transformers brand, and now we embark on an entire new year, a pivotal year for the Transformers brand. It's 1986 right now on Transformers University. Hello, my friend, and welcome to episode 45 of Transformers the University. I am your host, Anthony Brucali, owner, operator, Madman Behind, TFU.info, this podcast, and all the other fun stuff associated with it. Today, we are finally moving on, and we're going to be on this again for a while, uh, just like 1985 uh, saw the explosion of the Transformers brand, 1986 also saw uh, that explosion continue, uh, so much so that uh, Transformers was parlayed from the television screen to the big screen in the movie theaters and motion pictures. Uh, So it is a pivotal year for the Transformers brand, particularly because of Transformers the movie, which is uh, introduced towards the end of 1986 in August. So we do have a lot to cover, but we are going to talk about what the world was like in 1986. We did this for 84, we did this for 85, and we will do this uh, probably every year we do this podcast. So 1986 was uh, an interesting year uh, in the world. So we're going to start in the world, um, sort of of television, but uh, something that kind of spawned three, two, Something that kind of spanned across all media at the time was the explosion of the music video. Now, the music video wasn't something new in 1986. Uh, it is something that kind of developed out of the 70s uh, and into the early 80s with the birth of MTV. But by 1986, it had become a staple of the music industry, so much so that it actually started finding its way into other media. And this is important because as the music video starts to transcend, uh, it does influence uh, the Transformers brand. Now, this affected film, this affected television, this affected um, Transformers the movie specifically, and it even affected the world of sports. We are the best shuffling crew, shuffling on down, doing it for you. We're so bad, we know we're good, blowing your mind like we knew we would. You know we're just now, the Super Bowl shuffle uh, featuring future G.I. Joe member William the Refrigerator Perry, among others, uh, was part of uh, the 1985-86 Chicago Bears uh, and their run to a Super Bowl championship. Uh, and the reason I point that particular group out is that Flint Dilly, uh, the writer or one of the main writers on Transformers the movie, is a very big Chicago Bears fan and had based the new characters we would meet in 1986 on the 1985 Chicago Bears team. Elsewhere in the world of sports, uh, the Montreal Canadiens won the Stanley Cup that year. The Boston Celtics took home the NBA title. Uh, The uh, NCAA Men's Basketball Championship went to Louisville, and Mike Tyson became the youngest heavyweight champion of the world. And in baseball, the New York Mets defeated the Boston Red Sox in the World Series in seven games. 
preceded by this infamous play from game six. Little roller up along first, behind the bag, it gets through Buckner, here comes Knight and the Mets win it! Now, as I said, music videos uh, were something of uh, a novelty in 1986. They were mainstream, but they were something everyone was doing. And that is wholly evident in the top grossing film for that year, and that movie was Top Gun. Uh, which featured a number of hit songs by uh, Kenny Loggins and Berlin, even featured the cast of the movie uh, singing in a scene. So with Top Gun's success, we saw that a movie that was fundamentally a story anchored around a series of music videos uh, could be box office gold. And this was predated by some other things. Uh, The original Karate Kid for the most part, had a lot of musical influence within the story. Rocky Four is essentially a series of music videos strung together by a loose story. Did you know Ivan Drago only has nine lines in the whole film? Uh, I found that out while researching for this episode. Uh, and from here, and for years and years later, uh, this became a format for telling stories in film. So much so that it probably influenced transformers the movie uh in the same way as it is a film that is generally a series of music videos and associated scenes loosely tied together by a story now the top grossing film as i mentioned was top gun number two was crocodile dundee and number three was platoon which also took home the best picture and best director nods at the oscars that year now on to music uh top album of the year was whitney houston and her self-titled album Top single of that year was That's What Friends Are For, a song that was actually a cover of a Rod Stewart song from 1982 uh, by Dionne Warwick, Elton John, Gladys Knight, and Stevie Wonder. For me personally, in the world of heavy metal and for the other metalheads out there, uh, two seminal heavy metal albums were released that year, Metallica's Master of Puppets and Slayer's Reign in Blood. Uh, Also worth noting... uh, Tragedy struck the Metallica uh, lineup that year as Cliff Burton was killed in a bus accident in that September of 1986. Now, number one song on the day of release of the Transformers movie was this song from the soundtrack of Karate Kid 2. Glory of Love by Peter Cetera once again illustrates how movies and music were becoming tied together in 1986. And the number one song at the time of the premiere of Transformers Season 3 on September 15th was this song. And that song. Take My Breath Away by Berlin from the Top Gun soundtrack. 
Now, as I mentioned, season three of the Transformers cartoon would debut in 1986, and we'll cover the whole thing, uh, every episode, uh, in the coming weeks and months. Debuted on September 15th of that year, and here's the interesting note as far as Transformers, the cartoon show goes. Um, And this may have contributed to its uh, sharp decline in popularity following the movie and then season three and heading into 1987. The Transformers cartoon, uh, which ran daily at 4 p.m. here in New York, uh, the number one media market in the country. And I don't know how this went down in other markets, but I'm going to assume it was similar. It was the 4 p.m. slot in the afternoon. So kids left school, got out of school, usually around 3 o'clock. Public schools in New York City, 3 o'clock. Private schools, Catholic schools in New York City, usually 2 or 2.30. You left school, you went home, you usually did your homework and watched TV at the same time, uh, at least in my case, uh, and you watched cartoons. Um, And you watched that block from 3 to 5 before there were shows with actual people in them, and if you're like me, you got bored, or you just left them on and then actually did your homework. Transformers was on at 4 on WPIX in New York. It got moved to 7 a.m. during the week. Now, if you're getting ready for school, you're missing the show. If you're on your way to school at that time, you're missing the show. And if you had school later, you might actually have been sleeping when it was on. So the number of eyeballs available to watch season three as it aired had to have decreased at least in New York City, which, again, biggest media market in the country, uh, still is and was at the time. Now, extrapolate that across the United States. Uh, For every network, every local uh, TV station that did that, that's less eyeballs on the show, that's less people interested in the toys, and it's reflected in the toy sales numbers for that year. So the top-selling toys of 1986, number one was G.I. Joe, number two was Pound Puppies, three was Barbie, Four was Teddy Ruxpin. Five was Mask. Six was Cabbage Patch Kids. Transformers, having been number one just the year before, had fallen to seven just ahead of Laser Tag, WWF, and Muscle. So as you can see, there's already a decline in interest in the brand by the end of 1986, partially because of what happened in the movie, partially because of the shift in characters and the shift to an earlier time slot. As I said before, 1986 was a pivotal year uh, for the Transformers brand, and it wasn't lost on those of us who grew up in that time. So for more on that, I'm going to turn it over for a little bit to the salty seaman, Gabriel Owens. Hey folks, the salty seaman here, uh, talking about uh, looking forward at 86 uh, in the Transformers line, especially opposed to 85 and of course you know spoiler alert we have a giant change in the franchise uh and definitely it's it's been one that it's hard to argue that they didn't uh perhaps jump the gun with it's hard to argue against that because i mean they were writing so high on 85 and 85 they could have easily just said don't rock the boat they could have done another uh year uh you know just not, no, no, fur, no further movements like jumping in the future, killing off major characters, you know, maybe come out with a redeco G1 Prime, 
a few others, you know, start and create, you know, but, but keep it in the current timeline and, you know, just, uh, you know, a lot could argue. So like, well, this is kind of the downturn and the sales do kind of reflect that. But, uh, so I, in, in a way I do, I do definitely agree. Uh, they, they probably could have done that. I don't know if the next year would have just been as, uh, as successful or, uh, the downturn would have maybe been delayed. So it's one of those questions we'll never know. But at the same time, you can kind of see where they're coming from when they do that, because, you know, the, 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 uh, you know, just the attention span for, of a, uh, a boy's line is like three, four years tops. You, you try to squeeze everything you can to get out of that prime age, you know, or they're, you know, they're, Independent and mobile enough to demand certain toys, you know, I say around age eight, around age seven to about age 11, their demographics, uh, studies might differ from mine, but I'm just going off my own memory, you know, that that's kind of your prime buying market right there. And, uh, you know, there, there's people who come in on the ground floor are going to have be, you know, uh, in that spectrum and the older ones, you know, by this point, you know, they're, they're you know, their habits are going to start to change once they start hitting that 11, 12 year old mark. You know, traditionally the, the young boy goes from, uh, TV shows and cartoons about transformers and Smurfs to like football and porno and books about war. So right at this point, after two years, they know they're losing their, their upper bell curve. Uh, someone who's like, I, I was in the prime prime center through the first three years. Uh, I can offer perspective that it never, it, it never felt that jarring to me, and I don't remember it being uh, such a big deal to my friends and people I talk to Transformers about. Uh, let me explain. You know, you've got a few factors at play here. One being uh, probably looked at, you know, bring it, in, in terms of they know they're losing the, that, that end of their bell curve, you want to pick up new ones at the other end. So uh, logically creating a, a kind of a shift and a new jumping on point for new, uh, you know, younger viewers, you know, this is their transformers, you know, we're, we're jumping ahead in time. You've got a new, uh, you've got new heroes, you know, but it's still tied to the old episodes. So you can get a, you know, you can, you can watch the reruns and get a back history, but you don't have to, because you can, you know, you're If you start with, with season three, you're fine. You don't need, there's, there's very little you need to know from the background. They won't explain to you an exposition anyway. So, uh, and, and it's also noticed the, the comic did refuse to, to jump with them and they just stayed and did their own thing, which I think, I think was, was a good idea. And, and it definitely gave us, you know, at the time, two different storylines going on. And it was kind of nice, even though that they had off, they often had like really hard times trying to fit the futuristic characters into the, uh, the, uh, the comics timeline. And it made a lot of sense because, you know, people my age and the prime, the, the prime target, target demographic were, uh, you know, we, we were going to go wrong with the ride no matter what we were deep into this thing. Kids like me, you know, I was about, I was nine when the movie came out in 86. And as I said before, it wasn't jarring to me. I, you know, I know some of my friends, you know, said they were really, uh, traumatized by the, the prime death and then we're going, we'll, we'll We'll all have our say in the movie uh, next upcoming episodes. But no, it was not. I don't remember it being that big a deal in, in my circle. It was, you know, hey, that happened. And it was like, you know, kind of a gasp moment. But we moved on. We were all talking about Rodimus and Galvatron and getting the new toys. And, you know, 
I'm sure that, like I said, I, in, in my mind, like the older crowd that were just falling out of, out of toys anyway were leaving. But I, but I, I think what it didn't do was uh, energize the younger ones. I think it turned them off because they had already started watching this with their older brothers and sisters. You know, the gravy train started uh, dropping down, and then I think the uh, the next year the Turtles line hit, and that was that was it. <laughs> you know, there was no coming back from what they once were. But it, but overall, it, it was a bold move. It was a you know a, a lot of a lot of lines would not have tried that because they would have said we have no reason to change anything about what we're doing, and they could have easily put another uh, another year. Uh, you know, in, in current timeline, you know, rehash the the same plots over and over again. You know, we saw that at the end of the end of you know, creatively, I, I could definitely see like those they would be hungry for something different because I mean the plots are just so recycled by the end of season two. Like they they just become these obvious MacGuffins that have no you know it's like you know you never like how many people remember like a lot of the individual Megatron schemes. You don't because they're all kind of the same thing. These are like two or three different variations of the same plot as a rule. You know, and then they tried to mix it up and they were going into space already and we're getting different races and, you know, but it's also framed around a lot of we have to introduce these new toys. So, you know, them saying like, I can see being creatively burnt out that way. And the comics basically continued the same thing without a big, without a bigger, without a big chain shakeup, really. But it, it it's uh it's refreshing, and they don't like oh my god I don't have to do another Megatron steals fuel plot, you know I think they they felt burnt out, but and in, in honesty they probably could have uh it, it might have staved it off a little bit longer, you know and I still think once that the bell curve keeps going up they aren't bringing you know I at some point if they wanted to bring in a change maybe later is more of a desperation move which is what a lot of lines do. You know, like He-Man would do, and uh, a few others, and kind of reboot themselves. You know, they rebooted in the middle of being super popular. It's 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 very unusual, risky, and you know, and possibly they just felt they were bulletproof with the with the line at the moment. And why wouldn't they? But uh, you know, hey, mistakes were made. I'm sure most people would say uh, I'm glad. You know, personally, I'm glad I loved the the time jump. I thought you know it. You know, I remember thinking as a kid, it's refreshing because we get away. We're not tied to Earth so much, you know, and I, I had a, I, I, you know, consciously recognized like, oh, my oh good. They don't have to do these Earth storylines because I was I was bored with them. I was I was like, I was I love the I love the sci-fi. I was more of a sci-fi bent kid anyway. So I love the future stuff. I love I like Rodimus. I mean, I love Optimus, but I love I love Rodimus. You know, he was kind of funny and sarcastic and. You know, Prime was a bit more of your dad. Uh, so uh, that's my thoughts. Looking forward to 86. Back over to you, Ant. And for more from the Salty Seaman, check out his YouTube channel, youtube.com slash recharge138. Now, elsewhere in the world of TV, as we like to note, uh, the uh, top rated shows for that year, number one was Cosby. Uh, the Cosby Show. Number two was Family Ties. Number three was Cheers. And I want to point out that number seven was Night Court. And the reason I point that out is that was NBC's Thursday Night Block. Um, it dominated the ratings through the 80s. And when you have four shows in the top ten within a two-hour time span, uh, you were raking in the cash in terms of advertising dollars. 
uh, number one drama, and those were all sitcoms, number one drama was Murder, She Wrote on CBS, and that came in at four overall in the top-rated shows. The Emmys that year, Golden Girls took home the Emmy for uh, Best Comedy as well as Betty White for Best Actress, and she was up against Rue McClanahan and B. Arthur in that category. Estelle Getty was nominated that year as Supporting Actress, uh, but did not win. Michael J. Fox won for Best Actor on Family Ties in the drama categories Cagney and Lacey won for Best Drama, and Sharon Glass uh, of Cagney and Lacey won for Best Actress, while William Daniels won for St. Elsewhere. In world events that year, uh, we had uh, the Challenger disaster. The Statue of Liberty was celebrating its centennial celebration that July. Uh, there was the Chernobyl disaster in, uh, in Russia, and in the United States, Hands Across America was a benefit event and publicity campaign that ran to have a uh, human chain that stretched entirely across the United States. IBM introduced the first laptop, and there were a number of terrorist acts uh, involving airplanes in 1986. And the reason I point this out is these are things, these are events that were in the news, and other things that were in the news that year was toy safety. So, uh, and this again ties in with Transformers. So, one, uh, toy safety in terms of materials was in the news. The Matchbox Lion Voltron, the one that uh, is coveted by a lot of fans, uh, was actually recalled that year for containing lead paint. Uh, war toys were in the news as being a negative influence, uh, particularly a cartoon series and toy line based off of the Rambo films, which are incredibly violent. Um and I think we've talked about them. We have talked about them in previous episodes. Uh, <laughs> and a writer and lawyer by the name of Edward M. Schwartz uh, wrote a book called Toys That Kill and created this group called Watch, which stands for World Against Toys Causing Harm. And they released their 10 worst toys of the year, most dangerous toys of the year, uh, every year and have been doing so since 1986. Now, another thing that started on the horizon in 1986 uh, relates to toys and gun control in the United States. Now, the safety laws that are in place now were not in effect until 1988. But the groundswell for this uh, movement, for that movement in terms of putting yellow, yellow caps on toy guns and making guns uh, in shapes and colors that weren't realistic for actual weapons, That started coming into vogue before 1980, before that legislation was passed. As we know, um, there is a lead time to get toys manufactured now in 2018, 2019, by the time you listen to this episode. So back then, there was still just as much lead time, uh, I would assume. So this may also explain a bit of the transition uh, to go away from a figure like the Megatron toy, uh, which was a very realistic gun with no safety cap, no... um, bright colors, uh, knowing this legislation was eventually going to come down the line. I did look into some police reports in, uh, historically speaking, and the number of um, crimes committed using toy guns and police action with some sort of physical or uh, firearm-related action to someone with a toy gun um, skyrockets in 1986 um 
it starts out as just a handful of incidents in 84 and 85, and in 86 it blows up into uh, hundreds of incidents, whether it is people using toy guns to commit crimes or police responding to crimes being committed with toy guns. So that is something that is definitely coming down the pike uh, for the toy industry, and I think Hasbro was getting in front of that by switching from Megatron to Galvatron. Now, that is speculation on my part, so don't take it as uh, abject fact, but looking at the world in the context of what was going on, it had to be a consideration for the folks at Hasbro. Now, with so many dark things happening in the news and so much realism being brought into people's homes, the comic book industry began to take on a darker tone as well. So in 1986, we saw a number of dark series be uh, released into the medium. The medium was becoming more for um, young adults and adults as much as it was for children. So uh, Frank Miller did The Dark Knight Returns in 1986, and uh, Watchmen was released uh, in 1986. Moz was released in 1986. In Marvel, they had The Mutant Massacre, which was the first of the annual mutant crossovers. Uh, and also of note that year, as it relates to toys, Marvel canceled a number of its toy titles, including Micronauts, ROM, and uh, a little-known toy product called Star Wars. Now, in the world of video games, Sega released the Sega Master System, and Nintendo released uh, the first uh, Legend of Zelda game and Metroid. By the way, if you want to mess around with uh, big video game aficionados, uh, one of my coworkers is, and uh, <laughs> we troll him all the time by either uh, calling Link Zelda, calling um, Samus a hing, or um, referring to Metroid as Meteoroid, uh, and doing it with all seriousness. Just my fun tip from me to you, if you kind of know video games but know someone who loves video games it's such a good way to, to uh, push their buttons finally have a couple notable uh births and deaths in 1986 in 1986 both shia labeouf and megan fox were born uh the stars of the 2007 transformers film and uh two transformers voice actors passed away that year, Scatman Crothers, who we all know and love as the Autobot Jazz, and Roger C. Carmel, who joined the cast in Season 2 as Motormaster and uh, the first voice of Menasaur, Bruticus, and uh, would go on to voice a handful of characters for 1986, and we'll get into that as we continue down the road through 1986. And there you have it. That is the world at a glance what life was like in 1986 and as it relates to the Transformers brand. Looking ahead, we have a lot of ground to cover. We are going to get into so much stuff in 1986. More of the Marvel UK comic, the Marvel US comic, a number of limited series that were released in 1986 in the US, along with uh, the first Japanese-only... Nope, they need to on. We're going to go to Japan and talk about some stuff. We're going to go to Europe and South America and Mexico. We're going to talk about merchandise. We're going to talk about video games, online fandom. We're going to do by the numbers. There's a whole slew of stuff I got planned for 1986. And actually, if you're part of our Patreon, patreon.com slash TFUinfo, 
Uh, you can go over there and see I shared my notes, my first draft of notes of things to cover in 1986. And oh boy, is it is it big. Uh, I have not shared my episode plan for the uh, for covering the entire year, but there is a lot to go over and it's going to be a lot of fun. You can sign up for as little as $1 and you'll uh, get to be part of the show at least one day ahead of everyone else i want to give a shout out to will abbott who just signed up at the freshman level the one dollar level and uh you can sign up for as little as one dollar the levels go all the way up to ten dollars a month uh, and they all offer various uh different things additionally please swing on by our youtube channel youtube.com slash tfu info and subscribe we are just about what, six weeks away from New York Toy Fair? I will be there covering it live, uh, doing live broadcasts from the show floor, as I do every year, uh, giving you a first look at everything that's going to be coming out in Transformers in 2019. Finally, if you want to get in touch with me, social media, at TFU underscore info on Twitter, TFU info on Facebook and Instagram, and, of course, on the web at www.tfu.info, the world's longest-running transforming toy archive. Next time on the show, we are jumping into the first piece of animation from 1986, and that is the first exclusive Japanese OVA Transformers show, Scramble City. It was one episode, and it attempts to bridge the gap between season two and the movie. Never seen it? neither have I. I'm going to be watching it for the first time and sharing with you my thoughts and insights on it. So please stick around, like and subscribe, leave a review if you can. Till next time, see ya.